So if you weren't prepared, when you walked in, you knew it was Sukkot because we have our sukkah all decorated. But I'm sure you all remembered that it's Sukkot. In fact, today is day six of Sukkot. Tomorrow is Hoshana Rabbah, and Monday is Shemini Atzeret, and then we'll be celebrating both of those together at the Green Ockles at um, five o'clock tomorrow. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but um, this is, and I'm actually going to repeat myself, but this is the last of the, not just the fall feast, but this is the culmination of all the feasts of the Lord. And it is, um, it is the time of our rejoicing, Zaman Simkatenu. And we do rejoice because we, I feel like every year when we do these holidays, the feasts of the Lord, there is a, prog- a spiritual progression um, as we as we celebrate each of these feasts. Now, we talked about how the three uh, spring feasts have been completed in Messiah Yeshua. The fulfillment um, has already happened with those three spring feasts. And now the fall feasts have not yet been fulfilled. And so we do these holy convocations, and that word convocation is mikra in Hebrew, and that means rehearsal. And so we do these holy rehearsals, preparing for Yeshua's return when these last feasts will be fulfilled. And as I said, Sukkot is the culmination. This is the joyful culmination of all of the feasts and the time when everything is complete and we can rejoice in the completion of all of the things that God has set forth on this earth. And the best part of the fulfillment of the time of our rejoicing or the Feast of Sukkot is that we enter into a time when there is no more suffering, there is no more illness, there is no more death, because all of those things have passed away. Behold, the Alpha and the Omega makes everything new. Amen? Amen. So let's stand, and Judy, if you would lead us in the Shema. We um, give the Lord our offering by fire. Uh, We're going to take a look at what we just read. We're not going to go through it like the question-answer time that I would typically do, because I know so many of you have already been here to the um, to our Sukkot service and to other services. And and I guess the one thing I really want to emphasize. In our celebration of Sukkot, in our celebration of any of the feasts of the Lord, we don't do this because it is commanded. Yes, it is commanded, but we do this as our love offering to the Lord for his love offering to us in our Messiah Yeshua. This was his love offering to us. The gift of his son as our redeemer. And we celebrate that in some way, shape, or form in all of the holidays. But today, this is the season of our rejoicing. And the Lord commands us to rejoice. And you know, and I think it's the same for every generation. We think, oh my gosh, that, you know, the Lord's return is coming soon because look at the world, look at the the suffering in the world, look at the, the... absolute craziness of the world, he's going to return any day. Well, keep in mind that in the first century, the believers thought so too. There was so much apostasy in the first century. There was so much deception and manipulation of the word of God. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Well, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Humanity doesn't change. There is only one way that humanity changes, and that's in the heart when we receive Yeshua Jesus as our Messiah. That's the only way we are transformed. We're not transformed simply by keeping the feasts. We're not transformed simply by reading the Word. I read the Word before I was born again. It fell flat. I had no understanding even of what I was reading. Once Yeshua took up residence in my heart, 
it made all the difference in the world. And I describe my life, and I apologize for those of you who've already heard it. My life, I describe the way we in the world count time. My BC life and my AD life. My before the Messiah life and my life in the Lord after that season of time when I came to know him. That's how I account my life. Because that's when the transformation happened. That's when I was changed. But that transformation continues. Because let me tell you, the person I was 40 years ago this December is not the person I am today. Praise God that the transformation is never over. And we know that, oh, we don't have our little sign up. But there's a scripture in Corinthians that says that we are transformed from glory to glory into the image of our Messiah. So that tells us, it teaches us that it's a process, that we can't get, that we can't get so upset with ourselves because we're not further along, because it's a process. It's a process. And so that transformation begins at the time that we are born again when we receive the sacrificial death and life and resurrection of our Messiah. That is what transforms us. And we are, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, a new creation. The old life is behind us. And we begin a new life with him. And that transformation process is sometimes painfully slow, but it does take place. And it speeds up when we cooperate with God. I said it speeds up when we cooperate with God. <laughs> because I didn't always cooperate with God. And there are days that I do this. I don't really feel like cooperating. But I know it's in my best interest if I do. <laughs> so, all that to say, this is why we keep the feasts of the Lord. Because we love the Lord. We love the Lord because he loved us first. And because he made a way for us to have that relationship with him that makes all the difference in the world. So, um, as I said earlier... Sukkot is the culmination of all of the feasts. This is like the, the crown of all of the feasts. This is what we look forward to, this fulfillment above all the others, because, as I said earlier, it will mean that all of the, the troubles, all of the suffering will be behind us, and we will be spending that eternity in peace and love and joy that we can't even imagine on this earth. You know, we might have like moments of it, but it is nothing like what it will be when we're in the new heavens and the new earth. So the Lord commanded Israel to build the sukkah for a specific purpose. Because God wanted Israel, and it's, it's in the scriptures that we read, God wanted Israel to be reminded of their wilderness days. Not the hardships of the wilderness, but his provisions of the wilderness. And in rehearsing that, when they build their sukkah, even when they're in the promised land, they still build the sukkah. They sleep in the sukkah. They have their meals in the sukkah. It's all a reminder, not of the hardships of the wilderness, but of God's provision in the wilderness. And you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we are in a kind of wilderness as we walk through this life. And we are not in our promised land yet. Spiritually we are, but physically we are not. We are headed there, but right now in this earth, we are in a wilderness. And so as we... we Make the correlation, especially at Sukkot, that just as God provided and protected and cared for the Israelites for the 40 years in the wilderness, so God protects, provides, and cares for us however long we're in this wilderness of life. And 
you tell me, how were some of the ways that God provided for Israel? Kathy. Food and drink. Manna? Water? Quail? Hillary? I'm sorry? Released from slavery? Joyce. They didn't get sick. The clothes on their back and their shoes never wore out. He turned the bitter water into sweet. Sam? How? Yep, guidance. But a physical, a physical manifestation of guidance. Yes, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Anna? The Lord who heals. Amen. That was the first thing God did on the other side. Did anybody say water from the rock? Water from the rock. Yes, yes. And he parted the Red Sea, but he also took out the whole Egyptian army. Parted the Red Sea, took out the whole Egyptian army. Arissa? Gave them the law for guidance. Joyce? Showed who he was. Showed his power. And he, what, something different? Yes, he, um, he wanted them to solely depend on him for provisions. Because when they kept some for tomorrow, it became worse. Yes, that's right. That's right. Norma. Um, he also, uh, when they were sick, and he put that, uh, he asked Moses to uh, put raise up the, the serpent. Yes. And that was like a foreshadow of what Messiah Yeshua would be. Amen. Right. Right. Yes. 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 <laughs> well, that's right. You can raise your hand if you remember it. Yes. Yes. Yes, amen. What, Hillary, how, how about Laura? Amen. Yes. Right, that was before they left Egypt. Right, right. So, okay, I think we covered every... Oh, you remembered? Okay. Okay, you get one more chance. <laughs> okay, so I think we did a really pretty good job of covering all of God's provisions. And so the point in all of this, the point in, in us speaking out these provisions so that we hear one another, we remember that God loves us like he loves Israel. God's love doesn't change. And if he provided for them, he will provide for us. And so it's good for us to remember these. And it's good for us to speak them out so we can hear them. And, that, and especially if anybody is in a place in life where you feel like maybe God doesn't hear your prayers or God's forgotten you or, or things aren't going the way you're hoping they would go. Well, that's what, this, that's what this is. It's a reminder of how faithful God is. And I'll, and I'll tell you something else that just really... When I think of it, and I know it's hard for us to relate to this, but one of my heroes is Richard Wormbrand. He wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. And in this book, he speaks in very great detail of what he went through in a communist prison and did not lose his faith. In fact, his heart was for the prison guards who beat him, who abused him. I would hope that I would have that well deep inside of me that I could draw from were I ever to be in that position. 
I don't think there's any way that you can prepare yourself for that other than walking so closely with the Lord and knowing his heart so well that you would be like him where he says in the scripture, my heart is for no man to perish, but for all to come to salvation. Then those who abuse you and torture you looked so differently to you. You see them through the eyes of the Lord. And it transforms you forever. Which is what our life is all about. Transformation. And you know, it really isn't, it is up to us in the sense of yielding and surrendering everything to the Lord. But there's a place in Scripture, I believe it's Philippians, where God gives us the will. When we pray for it, God gives us the will to change us. Where we really will not be happy until we're changed into someone like Richard Wormbrandt. Better yet, be transformed into the image of Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. That's, that's, where, that's where we're headed. And I know that when we get there, we all want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So just as the other reminder that God gave to the children of Israel was that those, those Sukkot in the wilderness, those booths in the wilderness, those temporary dwellings were just that. They're temporary dwellings. This is a temporary dwelling place for us. And just as they were headed to their promised land, we are headed to our promised land. And I know I said this a few minutes ago, but... In our spirit, we may be in that promised land, but there will be a day when we are in that promised land, the land that we have prayed for and hoped for and believed for. And so with that, our response is praise. Our response is joy. Our response is worship. And so you'll see in in your bulletin that the very next thing that happens is an offering by fire. Well, we are the offerings by fire. In Romans 12, it says that we are supposed to be a living sacrifice. Well, a sacrifice is something that was burned on the altar. And so we are living sacrifices to the Lord. And our worship is part of our sacrifice. And so we are going to have a time of worship. I encourage you to... the. The lyrics will be up on the, um, on the, the wall over there. Um, clap, dance, stand to your feet, whatever you are able to do. But this is the time of our rejoicing. So let's rejoice in the Lord. Let's give him the glory that he deserves. Let's lift our voices and make any kind of sound. <laughs> because I don't have a very good singing voice, but... I love to sing to the Lord nevertheless. So let's sing to the Lord. Let's rejoice before him because the Lord commands us to rejoice for seven days and even on the eighth day, which I'll talk about later, um, we are to rejoice before him. So this is our time of rejoicing. This is our time of lifting up the Lord and blessing his holy name for his goodness and his mercy towards us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah give you some time to catch your breath before we do some more worship. But um, uh, Sherry uh, just spoke with Lynn, one of our elders. Um, she received a word from the Lord for Lion of Judah, and I really feel like um, she should share it with the whole group. Blessed be the Lord. I feel like the Lord is saying that he is blessed by your worship, and that you have been faithful in the lean times throughout the years, year after year, um, in times of seeing um, lean times. My hand has been upon you all these years, and you have proven yourself faithful. And this season of harvest, I say to you, my hand is upon you still, and I am blessed today, and I am blessed by your faithfulness. And I say this is a time of the harvest and that you shall bring that harvest that I have put in your heart, says the Lord.
Deuteronomy that this is a pilgrim feast. In other words, all of the males are required to go up to Jerusalem. And the Lord says, don't come empty-handed. You're supposed to bring the first fruits of your crops. Well, we don't live in an agrarian society, so our tithes are not, you know, grain and pomegranates and olives and those kind of things. But it is the, uh, the tenth of our, um, of our labor. And, you know, one of the things that really blessed me this morning was the visual that I had of everybody on their feet, either singing, dancing, having flags, or just a general um, atmosphere of rejoicing. And I thought to myself, this must have been what Sukkot was like in the time of the temple. Because... First of all, you have to think about every Jewish person, not just the males, the, the wives and the children also traveled along with them, coming up to Jerusalem, setting up their little Sukkot to live in for the seven and eight days. And, um, you know, there, there were the menorahs in the temple that were lit, um, just illuminating the entire temple area. And just the rejoicing and all of the fruits and the labor of their hands coming into the storehouses of the Lord with great rejoicing. And so um, I'm just going to challenge you today as you um, come up to share your tithe. Um, if you're a member, you tithe. If you're not, you don't tithe, but you're welcome to give to our offering. And we are reminded to give to the strangers and to the poor. And for the last, last week and this week, our offering is going to Florida to those who have been um, uh, affected by Hurricane Ian. And so whatever, if you can put cash or you can make a check out to Lion of Judah, we are going to send one offering. Um, to, and we have decided to send, to send to Samaritan's Purse, who are feet, boots on the ground, and they will be staying for the duration, however long the duration is. So it's not about, oh, gee, we should have given it last week or the week before. No, they're going to be there for a long time, helping the people who, who's lives were um, just uprooted, not even considering their houses being uprooted, but their lives were uprooted, and the, God commands us to care for those. And so that's our, our, it's the offering basket, correct? Yes. So that's, all of that will go there, and for the members, your tithe, um, and Richard, you're the you're the usher, so if you could come up and put the offering baskets right in the, in the center. And David, um, so that we come up rejoicing, David is going to play Hava Nagila, which is let us rejoice. And so we can come up, dance up to the offering baskets with rejoicing in our hearts as we sow into uh, the work of the Lord. Frequently in our sukkah, we will put the Ark of the Covenant. We don't do it every year. We usually have a table, and it's all set up with decorations for Sukkot, and plus the normal things that would go on our table, which is our uh, menorah and the shofar. And, of course, this year we have, or not this year, this week, today for Sukkot, we have our lulav, and we have our etrog. I want you to take a look at this. How many people have seen the movie Ushpazin? Okay, so you know it had the, uh, the English subtitles. It's all in Hebrew. But I think this year I found the diamond. I found the diamond. I think he paid a thousand shekels for, <laughs> for an etrog that looked... Maybe a little larger than this, but I could not believe the size of the, the etrogs when I went shopping the other day. So this is our diamond. And I like to think that we are all diamonds in the rough that are being um, shaped and shining um, by the Holy Spirit, by the Ruach HaKodesh. So I'm going to put this back up on. And these are three of the species, the willows of the brook, the palms, and the myrtle. Um, in the scripture. So I'm putting this up on our table. And um, as I started saying, there 
Our sukkah usually has a table. Several years we have put our ark in the middle of the sukkah. And I felt to do that this year as well. Um, the sukkah, in the last Feast of Tabernacles that we celebrate before eternity, will become a chuppah. And how many people know what a chuppah is? Okay, so a chuppah is a... It's shaped like this, and typically it would have a talit like this over it. And under the chuppah is where the um, bride and the bridegroom are married. And there is a document that goes along with the, the wedding, and it's called a ketubah. And the word ketubah means it is written. And so... I felt that this year it was very significant for us to put our Ark of the Covenant with our Torah, and I'm going to open this because I'm going to read from the Word, although I'm not going to read from the Torah. And in our way of viewing the Torah, this is our ketubah with the Lord. This is our marriage document. This is the Word of God and on the front of the cabinet is the word Yeshua, written in Hebrew. And of course, that means salvation. And Yeshua is our bridegroom. And we are the bride of Messiah, male and female. We are the bride of Messiah. And we are looking forward to that day when, as the scriptures say, uh, we will meet our bridegroom in that chuppah, which will be like a sukkah, and forever we will live with him. And so I am going to read from several scriptures. Isaiah 62, 5. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And in Jeremiah 33, 10 through 11. Thus says the Lord, Again there shall be heard in this place, in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, and the voice of all of those who will sing together, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. And the voices of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, and that's us. And from Revelation, after these things, I heard something like the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. And a second time, the multitude shouted, Hallelujah! And then the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who is seated on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and all who fear him, both the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters or like the rumbling of powerful thunder saying, Hallelujah, for Adonai Elohei Tzvaot reigns. The Lord our God, the Lord of hosts reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the Kedushim, the saints. How blessed are those who have been invited to the wedding banquet of the Lamb. And then in Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. And the sea was no longer there. Also, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, See, God's Shekinah 
is with man, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and he himself, God with them, will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no longer any death, and there will no longer be any mourning, any more crying or pain, because the old order has passed away. Blessed be the word of our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we look at these promises written in Scripture, and we see that the same promise is written in the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant, that promise of eternal life, that promise of we the bride meeting our bridegroom in a place where there is no more pain or suffering and no more death. And we look forward to that time, and that time is represented by the festival of Sukkot. This last appointed time in God's calendar that we read about in Leviticus 23. And as I said earlier, this is the pinnacle of all the feasts. This is where every feast leads up to. It's like the ascent to Jerusalem. All of those psalms that the pilgrims would sing as they ascended up to the house of the Lord. Well, Instead of singing these psalms, we sing these feasts as we go up to the pinnacle of the feast, which is Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Because what this feast represents is the time when the old order of things will pass away and God will make everything new. This is what we celebrate. This is what we're looking forward to. This is what makes this life worthwhile. And that's not to say that this life is not worthwhile. Because God is doing a work in every one of us for his kingdom purposes. And when we keep our eyes on him, whatever we go through is made holy and made pure in his sight. And so... The excitement of Sukkot, the excitement of all of the worshipers on their feet singing and praising to the Lord is like what Sherry said, this, our praise was pleasing to God. That just touched my heart. This word from the Lord through her that God is pleased with our worship and he's pleased with our faithfulness. And that's all he asks. And if you remember, one of the things that Yeshua said or a question he asked was, will I find faith when I return to the earth? Well, I pray that we will remain faithful to him so that when he returns to this earth, he will see our faith and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so... As I began thinking of the sukkah and how there will be a day when that is transformed into a and our ketubah will be the living word of God, our bridegroom, and we as his bride will put this old life behind us and we will put on those beautiful linen garments of righteousness forever and live in a place where there is no more pain and suffering, where there is no more death. And so, I think about that, and because I don't know everyone here, and I don't know where you might be in your walk with the Lord, it, it begs the question, well, will you be there? Will you be at that place where we all gather for the wedding feast of the Lamb of God. And, you know, I always think of those words from the song, The Watchman, that on the horizon is a war and a wedding feast. Well, I will say to you that the war is not on the horizon. The war is here. The war is now. And we are fighting a battle righteousness and holiness and fighting to advance the kingdom of God by our mouths being shofars and sharing the good news of Messiah Yeshua. So yes, that there will be multitudes, multitudes standing at that wedding feast of the Lamb of God. And 
You know, I've had a lot of conversations, as I'm sure all of you have, with people who are maybe lukewarm in their faith or maybe believe that this book is a myth, that this is just stories, that there's no God, and isn't it nice, we all get to go to heaven. Well, if that statement is true and we all get to go to heaven, heaven will look just like earth because no one will be transformed. Because if you can bypass the transformation, what will heaven look like? One of the things that, that I pondered this week is that there are all kinds of reasons why people don't make that step in committing their life to the Lord. All kinds of reasons. It could be hardships in life, losses in life, death or sickness, um, disappointments. I mean, we are such a small, uh, we are such a spoiled people that the slightest inconvenience could, we could say, oh, well, well, I don't want anything to do with that God who would inconvenience me like this. This is sort of where we are in our nation. We don't, we don't take God seriously. We don't take his word seriously. We don't take seriously the fact that he sent his son to this earth to reveal the love of the Father. Not just in his death on the cross, but day by day, bringing the love of God to those who, are, who were tortured by Satan. He delivered them from demonic forces. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. The lame would walk and the blind would see. This reflected the character of the Father as Yeshua, Jesus, walked on this earth. That was part of the whole plan for Yeshua, Jesus, to reveal the heart of the Father, which he did right up to the moment that he went to Jerusalem and was beaten and crucified and died on that tree of sacrifice, on that cross for us, for our sins. That's another thing people don't like to hear in our world. The word sin. They make up a lot of words that, oh, well, you know, I made a mistake or, 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 or you know, you, you fill in the blank. There are so many words for sin, but nobody likes to say the word sin. God dealt with sin. God dealt with sin through his son. His son Yeshua took all the sins of the world to the cross. He died in the place of every human being on the cross so that no one would have to suffer in hell for eternity. God has made a way for every one of us to spend eternity with him, to go to the place that I've been describing, which I don't think we have human words to describe what heaven is going to look like or how we're even going to feel. I think the greatest joy on this earth would pale in comparison to the joy that we are going to know in heaven. And so I'm going to read a passage in the book of Daniel. And it's in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel was one of the last prophets. His book is in the Old Covenant Scriptures, in the Tanakh. And I'm going to read at the beginning of verse 12, and I'm just going to read the first three verses. At, the at that time, Michael shall stand up. Of course, he's speaking of Michael, who is the, um, the angel of God. Michael shall stand up. He is that great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, meaning standing watch over the sons of Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. There is coming a time of trouble for the children of Israel far greater than any that they've already seen up until this point in history. 
but he says words of hope. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Everyone who is found written in the book. What is the book that we're speaking about? The book of life. There are scriptures in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant that speak of the book of life. And the question is, is our name recorded in the book of life? Well, Daniel goes on to say this. After he says that the people who will be delivered are those whose names are found written in the book, the book of life. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness shall shine like the stars forever and ever. As I thought about this scripture, and I thought about so many of the responses that I have gotten over the years from people who don't believe that the word of God is true, My response is, just because we don't believe something does not mean that it's not true. And we live in a world where everyone has their own truth. Just in my short lifetime, there was always truth. There was absolute truth. And in the last, like, 50 years, truth has become very shadowy. I don't know a better word to describe it. Truth is not as sharp as it had been because this has been discarded. The Word of God has been discarded. And so, we proclaim the Word of Truth no matter who receives it or who does not. Not believing in this does not make it untrue. The Word of God says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. I don't know whether I've ever talked about this movie here in this building, but some of you know that I, one of my favorite movies is called Risen. It's an accurate telling of Yeshua's death on the cross, his resurrection, and his interactions with his Talmudim, his disciples, after his resurrection, and it goes right up to his ascension into heaven. All of that is biblical. What is not biblical and is the product of a very good writer is a man who observes all of this, and he happens to be a Roman tribune. I will say he happens to be a very good-looking Roman tribune, if I do say so myself. You can, he's easy on the eyes. So the whole story is told from the perspective of an unbeliever. And at one point, when he comes face-to-face -face with the risen Yeshua, who he witnessed dying on the cross... His words were these, I can't reconcile what I am seeing with my worldview. Those are my words, but that's basically what he's saying. And a lot of people have trouble reconciling their worldview with the reality and the truth of this word. But later on in the movie, he's having some 
quiet time with Yeshua on a mountain, and it's at night, and they're looking at the stars. And Yeshua turns to him, and he says, well, they have this little conversation, but then Yeshua turns to him, and he says these words. He says, what frightens you? And the tribune's response is this. Being wrong and wagering eternity on it. Those are the most profound words in that entire movie. Because people are wagering eternity on something that is wrong. In order to have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we need to believe that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Son of God. That he came to this earth to die in our place, to bear in his body the penalty for our sins so that we can spend eternity in heaven, in that place in Revelation 21 that I just read to you, where there a place where there's no more suffering. And has anyone ever said to you, well, I can't believe that God would send anyone to hell. God doesn't send anyone to hell. We choose. We choose life or we choose death. We choose our way or we choose God's way. God's son paid the price for everything. It's free to us but cost him everything. So I guess what I would ask is what are you waiting for? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed this afternoon. There is a day of reckoning. We just went through Yom Truah, the day of the sounding of the shofar that will herald Yeshua's return. We know that when that shofar sounds, that shortly will, become, will come the judgment, which is Yom Kippur. And it will be too late. It will be too late. So now, in Isaiah 55, it says, Seek the Lord while he may yet be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the man of iniquity his thoughts, his deeds. That's all God asks for us, from us, is to confess our sins, to repent of our sins, and to receive that free gift of salvation through his son, Yeshua, Today is the day of our salvation. Today is the day of your salvation. So that we will be able to rejoice in a place where, you know, we take off these corruptible flesh one day. And we will be in a place that is described as joy indescribable. The presence of the Lord. So my encouragement to you or to anyone who is listening to this message is today is a great day to give your life to the Lord. There's no formula. There's no list of do's and don'ts. Like there's, I can't give you a checklist. It's not about being a good person. It's about Yeshua's goodness in our place on that tree. So I guess I would ask you, are you willing to wager eternity on possibly being wrong? That this is truth. That this is the way. That this is life eternal. 
Faith in Yeshua. Faith in Jesus. Faith in what he did for us. Faith that God raised him up from the dead as the guarantee that his sacrifice was acceptable to God for our sins. So, Lord, we are grateful for this feast, this culmination of all the feasts, Lord, this crown of all the feasts, where we can rehearse in this life, on this day, the joy that we will experience when we are in eternity with you. We bless you, Lord, for making the way for us to return to a relationship with you. Before sin entered the garden, God already had a plan. We thank you for that plan, Lord. We thank you, Father, that your desire is for you to fellowship with us and for us to fellowship with you. And the only way we can do that is through faith in your Son, faith in his death, faith in his resurrection, faith in his Spirit that now indwells us and will guide us through this life, just as you guided the children of Israel through the wilderness. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. And for any who might be listening, simply believe in the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah. Believe in his death on your behalf. Believe in the, his resurrection as if it were your own that you will live eternally with him. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And when you believe that, you become a new creation. The old has passed away. The old man is gone. It's the BC man. And you become the AD man. The man walking, hand or woman, walking hand in hand with the Lord throughout this life and into eternity. So, Lord, we bless you. We rejoice in you, Lord God, for you are good and your mercies endure forever. Blessed be the name of our God. Blessed be the name of our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that you made a way for us, O oh God. You made a way for us, and we rejoice in that, Lord. We rejoice in that, O oh God. Thank you, Lord. David, if you would play that last worship song, and we'll pull it up on the, or maybe we won't.